0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from our Old Testament lesson of Numbers chapter twenty-one. From Mount Hor, they set out to the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God, and they spoke against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt, in to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. And then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and bit the people. And many died. Many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take the serpents away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Dear friends of Christ, in our Old Testament lesson, we read about the disobedience of God's children once again. They thought they could do what they wanted to do. They thought they could live the way they want to live. That's what man always thinks. And again, God then sends these poisonous snakes. They had just left the slavery of Egypt. They had been delivered from the bondage of sin to Pharaoh, and they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And some have estimated that there were two and a half to three million people wandering around the desert with Moses. And that's a large city. Now, desert life is hard and desert life is boring. And of course the people, then it didn't take them long to start grumbling and complaining. We have no food. We have no water. We hate the manna. Life was better under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. And the people, grumbling and complaining... Upset the Lord. How many of you as parents, now you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you as parents, when your little children grumbled and complained about the meal that was being served that day, received that news with joy? How many of you as parents, when the children were grumbling and complaining, had your hearts sore with happiness? Our Heavenly Father is no different. He doesn't like the grumbling and he doesn't like the complaining. And so that's when God decided to teach them a lesson. He was going to kill some of them to teach them a lesson for grumbling and complaining. Now, this is getting personal because I grumble and I complain, right? Some of these sins we talk about, we can can justify ourselves and say, well, yeah, but I never do that. Well, you probably do in your thoughts and your minds. The Bible says we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us if we don't confess our sins. But this one, grumbling and complaining, I think we've got everybody on this one. They didn't want to die, and the poisonous snakes were there, and so they started to confess their sin. I mean, thousands of them were dying. Lord, we're sorry. It took poisonous snakes to move a confession like that? What does it take in your life to move you to confession? To move you to the point where you say, dear Lord, please forgive me. My heart's not right. Not only do I grumble and complain, but so many other things. They said to Moses, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. So Moses, go pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. See, the devil was leading the people. The devil is still leading people today, my friends. He is not, uh, he is a tireless enemy. And he always comes at you and he comes after your children. He came after the children of Israel. No sooner had they entered into Egypt than they were building the golden calf to worship, to turn away from God. He led them to have stubborn hearts, to grumble, to complain, to fight among one another. But well, what's the lesson for us as we are in the season of Lent? This is a season of repentance. It's a season to turn away from our sins. It's a season to turn to the cross and journey with Jesus to His suffering and death. So let's consider our theme, Lord, we have sinned. The devil doesn't want you to say that. Lord, we've sinned. Please forgive me. The Lord does not want your heart humble. The Lord does not want you to bow down and worship to a Savior who suffered. The Lord does not want you to confess. He wants your hearts to be burdened with unforgiven sin. He wants your hearts to be grumbling and complaining, filled with guilt and shame of the past sins that you've carried, of the past burdens that you've borne. He wants you to get to a point where you simply no longer care about God. He wants to get you to a point where you just give up. He wants to destroy your faith so that you'll leave God behind and no longer seek forgiveness. Well, let's consider how he does that. And first, let's take time to look at the lies of the devil. He tells us that we can't be forgiven. And do you remember how he did that with Judas? Judas had betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, turned him over to the enemy. And then when he realizes that Jesus was going to be crucified, he had no intent for Jesus to die. He thought Jesus was going to be the king and rise up and then make his kingdom on earth. And Judas was just kind of, nudging jesus but when now he's going to die he had no intent of that he despaired he took the 30 pieces of silver gave it back and he went out and he hung himself and the branch broke and he fell down and his he hit a a sharp rock and all his intestines poured out just exactly what satan wanted to see happen and you remember how the lord then or satan then tempted peter And Peter denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed twice. And then after Jesus suffered and died and and came back to life, Peter, filled with guilt, filled with shame, that he wasn't willing to die for Jesus the way he said he was going to. But he didn't run away from Jesus. Jesus sought Peter out. And rather than despairing of sin, he made a confession and he said, I don't love you. Lord, as much as I thought. I love you like a brother, but I'm not going to make sacrifice for you. And Jesus said, you're forgiven, go feed my sheep. The lies of Satan. Satan is a liar. And he does that in so many different ways. He's a, he's a liar. And what is Satan brewing up for you? to tempt you. The devil's lies. The Bible says in John, you are the father. Now, I can't read it from that far away. So, but, it says that, but it says that he is the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. And of course, there's many lies that he tells us. You can trust yourself. That's one of the biggest lies of the devil. You can trust yourself. Self-dependency, self-reliance. You don't need God. You can do it all yourself. Another one that he tells us that is a lie is you'll never suffer as Christians. We know that's not true. God never promised that because we live in a world of sin and death, a world in which we are cursed because of our sin, that we won't suffer. Oh, you'll suffer, and your faith will be stretched sometimes. Your faith will be stretched But the the devil says, well, no, God would never do that if your faith was good. God would never stretch your faith like that. It's a lie. And again, God can never forgive someone like you. He can never forgive somebody that has done the things that you have done. And it's a lie. Another one, how does Satan get us to believe his lies? Well, He uses our hearts. The Bible says it's our own sinful heart that love to hear the things that He has to say. We want to do the things that He offers, the desires that that He gives us. So He uses our hearts, and He does that by urging us to challenge God's authority. And that's what the children of Israel did when they grumbled and they complained. They challenged God's authority. Why did you bring us out here? You don't know what you're doing, and neither does Moses. And so God sent the fiery snakes. <laughs> so first, he gets us to lay aside God's authority by tempting us to renounce the authority of God. Ah, God's word is filled with errors. It's not true anyway. Don't have to listen to that. There's no way God, who created the universe, could give us a Bible that we depend on. So you question his authority. And now, as soon as you've questioned his authority, then the next thing we do is we are tempted to replace God's authority by our own self reliance. I can determine for myself what's right, I can be God, I can determine for myself what's wrong, I can have my own morality and be my own person. It's my body. It's my choice. And it's all a lie. And he does that to destroy your faith. To destroy your reliance on on God's authority over you and his authority over his creation. The satanic lies that he gives us is that you are more important than everybody else. And that's where our narcissistic society agrees. It's all about me. It's a lie. And again, Satan wants us to believe these things about ourselves, that God doesn't have time for you, that God doesn't love you, that, that God can't hear your prayers, that, uh, and all these things are lies. That Christianity is arrogant to claim that we are the only one that has the truth. What about all the other religions in the world? Don't they have the truth? Lie. That the Christian faith is the only place where true love can be found and we say that's ridiculous what about all the other love in the world that's well, a lie christian faith is the only place where true love is found true sacrifice eternal love is given and eternal life is given and so satan lies to us and we find that we've been snake bitten The venomous snake has bitten our hearts and filled us with the venom of Satan's lies. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved. Satan is a liar. Don't fall for his lies. Don't listen to him. Especially when it comes to asking yourself, am I truly forgiven? Can God really still love me? Because the devil wants to eat you up with sin and guilt. Because a guilt-ridden soul does not feel comfortable coming to the Lord. A guilt-ridden soul does not feel comfortable sitting in that pew and trying to sing hymns to God. A guilt-ridden soul will wander away. So this morning, I want us to think about confession. I want us to think about forgiveness. We need to think about forgiveness differently. Forgiveness is not something that we get, and that's the way we think about it. You come to the rail, you've been sinful, so you come and you receive Holy Communion and you get some forgiveness. And then you walk away and it kind of runs out. Right? That's the way we think of it. But if forgiveness is not like that. Forgiveness is something we possess. Forgiveness is your possession in Christ. You own it. Part of you. Don't let Satan fool you. Don't fall into the trap of the devil's lies. None of us are good enough to be forgiven. (laughs) No, not one. And that's why we made the confession at the beginning of our service. Most merciful God, we confess that all of us, we are by nature sinful and unclean. We are all in the same boat. We've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, the things I think, the things that I say, and the things that I do. I sin against you in every single way possible. By the things that I've done and also by the things that I didn't even think about doing. I didn't even know I was sinning because I just didn't care to get it done. I just didn't care to learn your word enough to know that it was even wrong, and I'm guilty. I've not loved you with my whole heart, and I've not loved my neighbor as myself. I have not kept your commandments, not one of them. Love God, love your neighbor, and I don't do it. I hurt people, and I hurt you, and I hurt myself, and I deserve your eternal punishment now and forever. Dear Lord, please don't let the poisonous serpent of Satan destroy my soul. And just like the children of Israel who cried out, Dear Lord, please... Take away the fiery serpents. We pray, dear Lord, please take away my sin. Lord, we have sinned. Deliver us from evil. Have mercy upon your people. Is this your confession? Is this a confession that you said before the service as when the service first began? If so, answer yes. If so, answer yes. Then as a called and ordained servant of God, I forgive you your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And you say, see, now I just got some forgiveness. No, I'm just making a statement so that you can once again remember the forgiveness you possessed in the blood of Christ Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. Why? Because Jesus died 2,000 years ago. He paid for them on the cross. But Satan wants you to doubt. He wants you to question God's grace. He wants you to question God's forgiveness, to question our faith. You know, when we have communion service, we, we make confession at the beginning of the service. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I say, your sins are forgiven. And then Thirty minutes later, we come to the rail, and I say, here's the body, here's the blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, just how bad were you in that thirty minutes where you confess your sins, and I told you your sins were forgiven, and then you got that forgiveness, and then thirty minutes later, you're coming to the rail again to get forgiveness again? It doesn't even make sense, unless forgiveness is something you possess. And I remind you at the beginning of the service, you possess this. And then I remind you when I give you the body and blood that you possess this gift. Here, this is Christ's body and blood that is alive in you. His body and blood living in you because He's a living Lord. and He's a living Savior. Suffered, died, rose again that you might have life and eternal life and that you might believe in His name and not, and not perish but have everlasting life. Forgiveness is constant. Never goes away. There's a story about a little fish, and the little fish, whoops, I lost that one. That's it. There's a story about a little fish, and the little fish goes into, uh, uh, it goes and asks his friend, What's the source of life? And his friends say, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? So he, he goes and he asks his dad, Dad, what's the source of life? And his dad says, gosh, that's a, what's a little fish? Asking such a deep question. Just live. You don't have to know what the source of life is. Go ask, go ask Grandpa. So he goes to ask Grandpa, Grandpa, what's the source of life? And then Grandpa says, well, you know... I've thought about that before, but I know that the clam, he's been around for 120 years, the clam, the giant clam, he'll know the answer to your question. So he swims over and he asks the giant clam, Sir, you know, what's the source of life? And the giant clam says, Go talk to the wise old owl in the oak tree on the other side of the lake. And so he swims to the other side of the lake to the old oak tree, and there the owl is sitting in its branches, and he lifts his head up out of the water, and he can't breathe he'd been swimming in the source of life his whole life. He didn't need to get water. He always had water. He didn't need to live. He had life. And that's the way it is with us. Christ's grace, His mercy surrounds us. We are swimming in it. We're breathing in it. We're living in it. He who believes in me will be saved. He who believes in me will never die. He who believes in me has faith. He who believes in me is forgiven. It's a possession that you cling to. And yet we're snake-bitten. We go back to our Old Testament lesson. I want you to think now that you are one of those people in the desert and you've just been bitten by this poisonous snake It was probably a carpet viper. They're they're poisonous. Now, you're not going to die immediately. First couple of days, there's a little pain. Third day, things start to go south really bad. Fourth day, you die. So now then, you're bitten and you're worried. You love your family. You don't want to leave your children. But you hear good news. Moses just made a staff of healing with a bronze serpent on top of a pole. And if you look up to it, you're healed. Now what are you thinking? And what are you going to do? Well, you're going to go find that bronze serpent because you want to live, right? And so as you make your journey to the bronze serpent, what are you thinking along the way? Is it going to work? Is God going to keep His promise? Will I look up and be healed? Will the poison of the snake leave my body? I hope God keeps His Word. And our New Testament lesson gives a fulfillment of this Old Testament story. Just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness... So is Christ's cross lifted up that anyone, anyone who looks upon it, who looks up to it, will have everlasting life. And the problem is we doubt. Is it possible that if I look up to Jesus, that I looked up to his cross, that I'm going to live? Does it work? Am I really going to go to heaven? Is it really free? Am I really cured of this poison and the venom of sin? Am I really forgiven? And the assurance comes from God, if you confess that you are by nature sinful and unclean, God, who is faithful, God, who is just, will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. He will keep His promise. He is your healer. He is your Savior. And He does forgive. And He cleanses you from all your unrighteousness. Lent is a time to see the Savior. But it's also a time to see our sin and our need for that Savior. So don't let the devil prevent your healing. Don't let him guilt you and shame you to the point where you don't come kneeling before the cross. Confess your sins because by faith, Forgiveness is something you possess, not something you have to get. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.